Hey y'all, welcome to Rowan Dice and Taking Names anniversary episode. I want to start a podcast, he said. It won't take up much time, he said. I won't spend any money, he said. There won't be many games in the house, he said. I'll never be out of town for a convention, he said. Don't worry, I'll never ask you to be on an episode. I'll never ask you to do anything, he said. Don't worry, there'll never be any extra activities where I make a lot of noise and disturb y'all in the house, he said. Don't worry, there'll never be more than one Kalex bookshelf, he said. But what he didn't say was how much fun he would have and how much fun it would be for the whole family and how I would gladly volunteer to be on the show anytime. Welcome to the 8th anniversary episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. I got teary, Marty. Welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 218, My Climb, or is it The Climb, or is it... Oh, it's The Climb! This is Tony. This is Marty. The Climb? Yeah, that's right, Marty. This is the first Miley Cyrus song that we've had for the show after eight years. It took me that long to get to this point, but it is so appropriate for this episode. I don't know if you can put it together as you often do. Are we still climbing? Are you saying that we're still climbing? Or have we peaked and there's only one thing left to do? And that's pretty much go down. That, that would work as well. But um, that's what I was thinking, that we have climbed. It's been eight years. We've been climbing to this point. We can either coast it on the way down. But some people would say we've already been coasting. Some people would say, look, you've already peaked like five years ago. And you're, you're still doing this for some reason. I ask myself every time I press the record button. But anyway, <laughs> so so I look at that, but it's also about, you know, we're, we're going to be talking about a couple games in this episode on our anniversary episode, like uh, Whistle Mountain. Think of a mountain mm-hmm. chugging up, a train chugging up, getting that climb going. It's not a train. It's uh, we're building. In fact, it's pretty important because if you don't climb, you'll drown, as you'll soon find out. Absolutely. I think about, um, we're going to talk about one from Osprey called The King is Dead, and that's the climb to the throne. Oh, yes, yes. Very good point. I want to see how you work this out for Rococo and Gates of Mara. Keep on going. I'm trying to become the best designer in the land. So so I'm putting out a lot of frocks and things like that for Rococo. So I'm trying to build my prestige, climb in the ranks. Oh, okay. Okay. Very good. Gates of Mara. Gates of Mara. I'm trying to be the biggest influencer in the galaxy. Bravo. Bravo. There you go. You pulled it off between all four games we'll be covering in this episode. Sometimes I can even astound myself. I'm glad you can astound somebody. Hey, that's right. It's our big eighth anniversary episode. And as we do every single year, we need your help. 
Tony always comes out with a survey at this time of year, and this is no different. This is where you, the listener, can give us a little feedback on the show. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Maybe there's some ideas that we can have going into you know, the, the new year. It kind of works out that our anniversary is right at the end of the year, so we can kind of start fresh in January. Tony and I typically take a little bit of a break during this point. We may skip a week or so from our for our next regular scheduled episode so we can kind of... Uh, start talking about what we want to do in the new year. And of course, Tony, one of the big things we got to already start talking about is putting together our Squirrely Awards. That's going to be weird. How so? 2019, when we did the Squirrelies, there was a lot of game, a lot of excitement. This year, a lot of games, but the ex- it's not the excitement for the games. It was just like, I felt like I've missed so much. Is it fair for me to give awards when, how much did I miss? Because we've been secluded away. I mean, yeah, we've been meaning to play games, but it's like the shops have been closed. We haven't been able to go out and view what's out there in the new world. I feel like Mm -hmm. I've lost some contacts with some of the publishers that we would gain at the various conventions. You'd always come back from Origins and say, man, you got, I can't wait for you to see this this year. Or, and then we'd go to Gen Con and we'd be walking around and seeing all the booths and there'd be a lot of excitement and all that. So that's why I'm thinking it's going to be weird. But what is not weird, Stronghold Undead still isn't here. <laughs> so, we can go ahead and wrap up the uh, Better Late Than Ever Award uh, once again. Hopefully, hopefully the last time it will go to Stronghold Undead. And that's actually one of the things I'm looking forward to in 2021. There's two big events, Tony, that I would love to do uh, streaming-wise. Uh, you know, I've been playing around with some streaming and stuff. And it's because I'm trying to think for, for some stuff I like to do. One of the things was, I think it'd be so much fun for you and I to sit down and pull out Stronghold Undead and stream a game of us playing that game. Uh, I think it's an amazing game. I think it's got amazing table presence. Each side's totally different. So I think it'd be fun to sit down and, and play that game live. Oh, yeah. And go through the rules again and watch us flounder over that, try to read the cards, put on our glasses and take them off. Yes. And, you know, that's two, three hours um, someone will lose of their life as we try <laughs> to manage that. I I'm looking forward to that game. I cannot wait to play that game. And I can't believe it, but at the end of next year will be the 20th anniversary of the release of the Lord of the Rings CCG. And as I mentioned earlier this year, I bought two starter decks. I'm looking at them right now. There's several boosters, a few starters never been opened. And I would love for us to get together, open up those decks, relearn and play that game again, just like we did 20 years ago. I'm fine with that. We can do that. We'll stream it. We'll see how it goes. We'll even do some deck building if we can remember how. You can mm-hmm. do you can do the goblin rush. I'll try to do the Yurikai crush. I thought you were the goblin Zerg guy. No, I was always Yurikai no. during the first few um packs. Gotcha. Yeah. Expansion. Yurikai, I think actually became my favorite over time. I loved, loved playing those. Mm-hmm. In the following releases when they introduced the men of um Oh gosh, I forgot what they were called. They they were they had the yellow background. The Easterlings? Easterlings. Is that what it was? Yes. Well, that's five dollars for somebody if it's not. Oh, wait, I, I called it, therefore it can't be. It's East something. Uh, but I loved playing as them eventually. And then also when Rohan came out, that became my faction of choice. And I was always about the elves. Yep. And then I shifted into a uh, dwarf type deck of 
beat down, beat down, beat down if I could. And great game, great memories. Love that game. But as you were saying before we got off track, survey. We'll have a survey out. We'll have. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what we're talking about. Yeah. We'll have links over at the BGG Guild uh, that we have. We'll also post it definitely uh, on the Rolling Dice Taking Names website. We'll also be taking it over to our Discord channel to probably post in our announcements for people to link to if that's possible. And in our Facebook. I mean, we'll, we'll be posting everywhere. We'll share it on Twitter and everything. Again, it's just a way for you to provide us some feedback. And we uh, do really appreciate that. But. But you know what, Tony? We always reward people for taking time to do that for us because it's also become a tradition about this time of year for us to have a big anniversary giveaway, and this year is no different. Really? What are we giving away, Marty? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So... Gosh. So I reached out to uh, a lot of our uh, publisher friends and uh, contact them. And I mentioned this about the uh, the survey and a contest. And the first thing they came back and said was, who are you? So after I responded with who we are, they came back and said, how did you get around our deceased and desist order? And after I got around that, they finally came around to go, all right, fine. You know what? Because we love our games and we want to get our games to the hands of people. They have partnered with us, do some ma- amazing giveaways. Just Tony, listen to that list of publishers that's going to be giving away games. Restoration Games, WizKids Games, Pandasaurus Games, Bezier Games, Capstone, Plan B Games, Indie Board and Games, and I assume Ignacy. So I'm going to throw Portal in there and throw him under the bus too because he can throw in like a good monolith arena or something like that. And what's so cool is a lot of these publishers had games that we covered this year that we really enjoyed. For example, Pandasaurus Danny over there said, you know, I know you guys love Tammany Hall and Onahami. Yes, I, that is one of my favorite card games from 2020. Yep. So we're going to be giving away a couple of those. Whistle Mountain that we're going to be talking about in this episode, we're going to be giving away one of those. Uh, Silver Dagger, which is also from um, uh, Bezier Games. Uh, we just talked about New York Zoo uh, last episode. Capstone's going to be giving away one of those. And get this, Miniature Market is going to be giving away eight gift cards to their store and for the big uber prize tony over here to my left i have a huge box and we are going to pick one lucky winner to get this mystery box of stuff and we're going to be throwing tons of things in there it's going to be games and trinkets and probably maybe some food items here and there i'm just going to fill this thing to the brim full of RDTN flavored stuff. I need to do that too, but my box is not going to be as big as yours. So I'll go to the second prize, second place, first loser, okay. whatever you want to do it. I'll throw together a box as well. Some of the games will be open. Get over it. They're free. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. We are definitely on the downside at this point. We are no longer climbing. Hey, the moon pies I'm going to put in there, I could take a bite out of one of them. You never do know, but that's not COVID safe right now. Oh, wait a minute. After 24 hours, it'll be fine if a shipping handles. And the way my unfortunate mail's been running around here, it may take it three weeks to get there. I don't know. But I'll throw together a box, too, of some of Tony's favorites. Who knows? There may be a few that are not opened. We'll see what happens. You never do know. There might be a surprise in there. Heck, I still got a Gloomhaven that's not open. Thank you very much, COVID. 
Okay, that won't be in there. I won't tease y'all with that. <laughs> That's going to go, wow, okay. He's giving away Gloomhaven. <laughs> no, no, he's not. He's no, not. he's not. All right, so the question is, is well, how do I enter in this contest? We always try to make the barrier as low as possible for this. <laughs> One, just be a... What's so funny? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, when you say the barrier is low as this, I'm thinking, well, we make it easy on us. <laughs> No, we don't want people to jump through a lot of hoops to, to have to enter, like, you know, put stuff on Twitter, stuff like that. It's, it's quite simple. If you are a member of our BGG guild, we've always had this one. If you're a member of the guild, you get one entry into the contest. If you are a member of our Discord channel, which just cranked up this year, you will get an entry into the contest. If you back us on Pod Pledge, you will also get an entry on this contest. If you filled out a survey, you will get another entry. So there's four ways that you can enter. Am I missing any, Tony? Does that cover it? I think you got it handled. Okay. So there's four ways. You do all those four things, you'll have four entries into the contest. So that's it. We will have links to all this right now. If you're using a podcast app, just start scrolling down. You're going to see a link to each one of these things, to the survey, to our BGG guild, to subscribe to the Discord channel and to our pod pledge page. And it only takes a buck. Throw a buck in the tip jar. Guess what? You get an entry into the contest. So if I understand you correctly, Marty, there's multiple ways to enter. Mm -hmm. And then at the beginning of the year, we will begin selecting the names. Once again, this contest will run till 2021. Date to be picked by Marty and I as we look at a calendar and think, hmm, what's a good date for us to run this through the holidays? I mean, if we really wanted to limit this, we could say shortly like, you know, one one twenty one. But no, we're not going to do that. We're feeling generous. We're going to let this thing stay running until. Let's make it two weeks from the release of this episode. That's January 5th. Uh, so that gets us through the holidays. So in case you come and listen to this episode, you know, late after New Year's, et cetera, because you want to try to get out of 2020 as fast as possible, then um, we'll go open it till January 5th to be able to get all those entries in. We'll close the survey down at that time, and then we'll start picking names. Uh, graciously, most of these publishers have said, just provide us the names and addresses, and they will ship them out. And I'm sitting here, we're probably going to be giving away 15 to 20 different things. So... There's a lot there we're giving away, so your your chances are pretty good to win. And like I said, you do all four things. That's four entries. So have we covered all that important business there? Are we done with that? Well, that's exciting. We're giving away stuff. We give, 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 never take. We take their time. We do take their time. And we do appreciate that very much for the past eight years. That's absolutely correct. And my goal is to make this go for 10 that's what I'd like to see if we can achieve that goal. You know, always have those short-term goals. Always make yep. that happen. And who knows um, if it will continue. It depends on when you and I both retire and decide to go our separate ways. As you head to the mountains and I head to the beach. <laughs> and, 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 you know, things, things happen. People change. Eventually, you're going to be an empty nester. And I can see Vanessa saying, that's it. I'm done. It's time to get out of this county. Let's go somewhere else. You see, Tony's already planning his exit strategy right here. See, I have not said anything like that. It's Tony that's planning the exit strategy at some point. I always have an exit strategy. I always try to think a little bit ahead. So I was down at the beach, uh, you know, celebrating my wife's birthday just recently. And mm -hmm. we got, and we did, we got to play um, New York Zoo. She loved it. 
I told you, isn't that a good game? Uh, yeah, uh, that's one. If you're going to need that one back, I'm going to have to um, get my own copy. She <laughs> I, and I won. That's what, but she still liked it. That was the, that was what was so entertaining about that is she hadn't caught on. It was a whole different aspect of playing those Tetris pieces, and that's what was refreshing. Yep. And and the strategy of of the animals, and you know, I had this little animal engine going pretty good. And she's like, well, "How are you doing that?" And I recognize as you got to the smaller pieces, that's where the mm-hmm. animal that's where the animals needed to go, so you could get those special pieces, chug it along, and life is good. Yep. Yeah. That's remember I told you that I said the most valuable pieces actually end up being those small ones at the end because you can fill up those small ones quickly, which will allow you to grab the attractions and continue to fill up your board. Yeah, to to fill in those little onesies and twosies spaces that you needed to do. So, yep. So she recognized that. She can't wait to play that one again. So yeah, that's that's a great prize for us to give away. Yeah, it is. And again, no victory points. Which is unusual for a Rosenberg game. She was like, why, why didn't you say that? And I'm like, I don't need to say it. It's who can fill up their board first. Mm-hmm. And we didn't even play the fast play version of two player where, you know, you get so many pieces at the beginning. We played the long version. Yeah. I was like, man, Marty was actually right. <laughs> <laughs> and it moves pretty quick, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. It moves real fast. I mean, we did that. We played Carcassonne again. She loves and she killed me. Oh, my gosh. She almost lapped me in Carcassonne. Oh, she loves that game. She knows it. And you know yeah. how it is when it, where you and I are playing the, the new or we pull one out and we have to relearn the rules. This one's so simple. I'm able to put it on the, on the table and she understands it. She knows how to do it. She's learning the pieces. And I think that's one of the things she likes. She loves the tile laying games. I'll give her that. So just out of curiosity, do you play just the base game or is there some expansions you throw in that y'all like? I've played the base. I mean, the um, expansions with her, but right now we're still, she just enjoys the base game right now. So that she can continue. Eventually, we'll, we'll progress. We'll get to the abbots, the farms, the cathedrals, the market, that all those all from Carcassonne. You know, for that game being as old as it is, it's still a good game. Mm-hmm. It very much is. Do you find it tedious at the end calculating up the points and everything like that? Or you? It's I guess you've played enough now where it's not tedious anymore. That was always the thing with me about the end of that game. Because we're not doing the farms, it's not that tedious. When you get to the farms, that's when it's going to get real tedious. The rest of them are just straight easy. One point for every tile or whatever road, whatever you need. So it was, it's not that bad. Then we get back from the beautiful beach after spending mm-hmm. 70 degrees down there. And this is one of my favorite things that happens. So you and I are going to game night, you know, and we're being safe. Of course, we've got our mask on the, the board game place that we go to requires it. We sit appropriately. Everything's going very well. And then all of a sudden I get a phone call and it's my wife and she, or a text and she goes, Hey, is something wrong with the heat? Uh Oh, I know. And I'm like, Oh, I need to go take this call. And so I go out, talk to her. And I'm like, I remember fuses and things like that. Our heat went out and it's going to be 29 degrees that night here in North Carolina. And I'm thinking, well, let's make sure the electric blankets are running. Simple repair. I was so happy, but so that, that puts the damper on it. But then Marty is also on the phone. He's talking to his wife, Marty, how's your wife doing? (laughs) So, uh, Vanessa was decorating one of the mini trees, uh, around the house and over near the mantle, she went to put an ornament on and when she raised up, she cracked her head on the mm. mantle. Ooh, that just hurts. I can, I can hear it now. Ooh. Yeah. That which, which hurts as it is. But then over the next couple of days, she wasn't feeling that good having a headache and all this stuff. So 
I said, you might better go to the doctor. So she went and come to find out she uh, was having post-concussion symptoms. Mm. So she gave herself a mild concussion. Actually, uh, still dealing with it now. Now, what's interesting is this past weekend, she was supposed to play, or she said she would play Curious Cargo with me Mm -hmm. from Capstone Games, which is a two-player game, a little bit of a thinky game. And, And now she's like... Yeah, I just, uh, you know, with my concussion and everything, I just don't know if I can sit down and play a real thinky game right now. It's like, wait a minute, she's using this as an excuse now. <laughs> I mean, I, she she's not, she's not, but I'm sitting there thinking, this is very convenient. I really wanted to play this little two-player little thinky game. And it's like, yeah, you know, I'm supposed to rest my eyes and, and not really just kind of take it easy for a while. It's like, all right. So I'm still very anxious. We got New York Zoo and Curious Cargo at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I really, really want to play Curious Cargo as a two-player game, which is kind of like a stream down, uh, streamlined version of, uh, of a pipeline. And you and I didn't have a chance to play it when we got together because our last two-player game that we played uh, was Cthulhu Wars Duel that we checked out and uh, we're not going to see each other for uh, probably till right after Christmas. So I I just hope to get the game to to the table sometime, but the one game that she could handle that she's never played before is we got together for my uh, mom's birthday for a little uh, get together for her or 75th, a big one. I pulled out strike. I have never pulled out strike for the family before. I don't know why it's like, it's the perfect gamer sitting like that. Boy, people love that game. And again, I'm sitting around a lot of people don't play games. Vanessa does play more games, but uh, they they really enjoyed it. It's just, you you can explain the rules in two minutes. They enjoyed it. But I mean, I did after, I explained to them this whole, how the the board game community is split into two groups of, uh, is it Gladiators and Arena or Dice and the Bull? And uh, they pretty much all agreed it was, uh, well, yeah, as fun as it is, it's it's really just Dice and the Bull. And that's okay for everybody to have an opinion and be wrong at one time. In <laughs> it's okay if you have an opinion and it's wrong. You're, you're entitled to your wrong opinions. So, I, and I mean, we're creating this. This is just for us to drive fun. And I can't wait for our strike tournament. The, the thing I wanted to wrap that. You mean that? Yeah. Well, we're recording this before our strike right. tournament. By the time it's came out, it's happened. I can't say too much because I may be just putting my foot in my mouth. So I'll just have to wait and see what the results are before I say anything. I just hope there's a big success in making this happen. Ravensburger has done an amazing job organizing this. But the the wrap up of this whole story is, so here's Vanessa with a concussion. My wife's at home without any heat, getting ready to face freezing temperatures. And what do you and I do? Do we leave the game store to go comfort our wives? Wow, you're going to make us look really bad at this point. No, we stay there to play our game. That is the type of give, 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 never take that we do. Oh, Oh, that does not make it sound good. Oh, jeez. I don't know if I'd have put it like that. Well, what was I to do? What were you to do? She's already cracked her noggin and she knows how to take care of herself. She's not throwing up or anything. She's in concussion protocol. Well, number one, at that point in time, she didn't know she had suffered a concussion. It's like, man, I just hit my head really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the kind of deal. And Donna's already looked for fuses that don't exist. And it's like, she's like, what are you going to do? I'm like, nothing. Call somebody. She's already handled it. I'm like, well, you're right. Well, there's nothing really I can do. Yep. But man, I was just like, I was sitting there thinking like that. And Don, when I came home and told Donna the concussion thing, she goes, so let me get this straight. <laughs> She goes, I understand you, but Marty? <laughs> Again, she didn't know it was a concussion at that time. 
That came later. Um, yeah, sure. Use that excuse if you want to. <laughs> but from that standpoint, we got some great games on the table that night, and we'd like to tell you all about it if we may take a little bit more of your time. Does that sound like a plan, Marty? I love it. So Christmas is coming up, and maybe you don't get the game that you really wanted. That's okay. It's okay. Because right after Christmas, just go treat yourself over at MiniatureMarket.com. You can go over there and get all the latest games. Or hey, maybe, maybe somebody gave you a Miniature Market gift card. Or hey, maybe you'll win a Miniature Market gift card from Rolling Dice and Techie Names. And that's where you're going to go spend that money. Make sure to subscribe to their newsletter because they are running deals constantly. It's like, hey, here's this weekly deal that we're going to be doing. And on their front page, you can go to the left-hand side of the little menu and there's a little deals section. Go there and check out some of their clearance items. And usually on the front page, they have all their new arrivals so you can see what games are being released each and every week. So even though Christmas may have come and gone, you still need to fill out your want list for stuff that you didn't get. You could do that over at miniaturemarket.com I got to give a lot of credit to WizKids games over the past year, two years, Tony. They have been coming out with some solid Euro games. You know, earlier this year, you and I talked about the two-player game Seastead, uh, mm-hmm. which was based on a larger game, Flotilla. Well, that game, Flotilla, was designed by J.B. Howe. And just recently, he came out with a new game called Gates of Mara. I didn't know a lot about this game, but just the components and the way the game looked on the table, I was very intrigued to play it. And then when I heard the premise was, is that you're playing as an alien race that's trying to take over and influence realms with some pretty unique worker placement style gameplay, then I was in. Because as we're going to find out, not only in this one, Tony, but in another game too, is I like worker placement games where workers can only be placed in certain areas depending on what type of worker they are. But there's some flexibility with that as well. As you said, we'll find out later in this game. When you put it on the table, you were like, oh, this is going to take forever to set up and so forth. And you really tamped my um, expectations. And yet it took us no time to set this up. It took you forever to punch it. Warning, <laughs> do not punch this at the table. This has one of the, this is a game with one of the most punch boards I've ever seen. And uh, so all the workers that you have are actually standees. Which is a, po- a positive to me. It's a positive yeah, because no, no, of how they are. Nothing own. wrong with it. I'm just saying that the way you put them together, it, it's really cool. There's a cardboard stand that they go on, but you know the typical standee where you have a little plastic base and you slide the standee into it? Well, the plastic base protrudes through the bottom of a base of a certain shape. And that shape is important because the shape tells you where that particular worker can go. And then you uh, put the uh, actual standee on top of the base. So they look really cool. It just took forever to assemble. And each of the standees is a special one that you had to match up to that circle or square or triangle. Yeah, so there's hexes and squares and circles, like you said, but there's one for each faction. And all the factions have their own unique standees and unique bases. So yes, it took a little bit of time. So maybe that's why I'm saying setup was going to take forever. But actually it didn't because I'd already done the hard part. It was literally just putting four realms out on the board in a circular manner. Between each realm is a little is a gate. 
And then there's a spot right in the center. Uh, there's one uh, board off to the side where you can buy some upgrades and you put a couple cards up there. There's some in-game objectives you put on that one. You have a player board where you're going to store your workers. And then actually that was kind of about it. So setup really wasn't bad at all. No, and it was well laid out in the instructions on what we needed to do and how to set it up based on the player count that we had. And that was very important. Now, the premise of the game, like Marty said, is you have the various workers that are going to move forth and influence the galaxy, the gates, the Mara, whatever the premise is there. In order to do this, you're spending energy. It takes energy to get them into the world. And depending on the type of worker will determine how much energy it costs. So really what you're doing is on your turn, you're going to pick a worker, spend that energy to move them to a location out into the world. And if you need to, you will spend more energy to accomplish certain tasks if they have new abilities assigned to them, which we'll talk about later. And then it's the next player's turn. And depending on where they go, you may get something, you may create an influence. That's the part that you have to understand because at the heart of this game, Marty, is it is an area control game, in my opinion. 100%. I think your opinion is correct in this mm -hmm. uh, because you're going to be allocating workers to these gates. Each round that you play, it only plays over four rounds. Everybody has 11 power to spend at the very... You, at the very beginning of the round, you can get upgrades to give you some additional, but you start out with 11. And once you're spent your entire 11, you're done for that round. Once everybody has spent all theirs, it's over. But what you're going to do is at the end of each round, you're going to look at each of these gates and see who has the most influence at each gate. And like you said, Tony, you get influenced by you put a worker at the gate. This worker gives you X amount of influence. There's a leader, which if you put at that gate, gives you a lot of influence. But a leader can also be placed in between two gates to influence a gate on his left and right. And a leader can even be placed in the middle. He's the only one that can go to the center spot where he gives one influence to every gate around it. So you're going to be putting out the workers, moving up on the influence track. At the end of the round, whoever has the in most influence in each realm gets to take a couple of their tokens and put them on that gate. And the whole goal is by the end of the game, you're going to count up and see who has the most influence tokens on each gate. Whoever does gets 20 points. Whoever's in second place gets 10 points. But during all that, there's also this other board up here where there's a special worker you can go. They can get upgrades. And like you said, Tony, you could put them under your workers so that when you activate the workers, they have additional abilities. The abilities of your workers get to change over the course of the game. And then the actual workers themselves have different abilities. There are these elementals, these two elementals that are the, at the gates. And when you go to a gate with the elemental, they're a big standee. It gives you a potential additional ability that you do when you go to that gate. And this is changing every single round. There's elementals move. There's a wanderer that moves around who has a special wonder ability that you can do. And aside from all that, every round has objective cards where if you can meet the objective of what's on those cards, it gets you additional points. But at the heart, it's at this, get this influence to get the most victory points because that's where the swing occurred. 
It wasn't during the game. It was all about these battles. And that to me is when, for me, I'm not a good area majority kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And so I don't recognize that. As, as far as building out workers and powers and their limits of banners or enhancements, and there are certain rules about how you can place those and who can get those. And only these two workers can go over there and get enhancements. Meanwhile, they cannot go to the realms or to the gates. So you've got to manage that and how much energy that they spend. So it all comes down to is successfully managing the energy to control the influence and find out where you do not have that capability. And if you get the right enhancements, it's going to make your life a whole lot easier. There's no battling. There's none of that going on, but it all comes down to, okay, where is that last spot going to do? How is that going to mess us up and what's going to happen? What do you mean by that? Where that last spot's going to? That last spot as to where that one person's going to be. I've got control. I've spent all my energy. Oh, oh, I see. I see. So even though there's no battles, there's definitely player interaction in that all of y'all are fighting for this influence. And so this is where the one of those things that uh, we play with Bert. And he said one thing that got to him, he said, there's almost too many things to decide. You know, if I put this worker over here, uh, I can get this influence here, which might give me this ability over here. But if I put it over here, maybe I can win majority over here. And then I have this ability card that I can use to trigger this. Or should I go up there, try to get that ability to attach to this one so that I can meet an in-game objective? There's a lot of little things going on. There's a lot of decisions to be made every single turn. So we did find there's a little bit of AP just because of the amount of decisions that you have to make with just the placement of one of your workers. Yes, it can also create downtime. And also if you have a plan and someone places that worker there, then all of a sudden you cannot do that. So now you have to rethink. Mm-hmm. But from an influence standpoint on the on the realms, it's not a whole lot that you can do in order to manipulate the results. I mean, if you put out your leader first and you try to gain it strong in one area, ooh, now you're limited on which worker can go on the gates that are between the realms. And you're like, oh man, I can only put the guy with the square base there. And maybe, but you really wanted him to go over there. And I mean, you're right. There's a lot of decisions. So for me, this game was like, oh man, I'm just missing how to get the influence. I lost drastically here, but you (laughs) crushed us. And I, and it's one of those things I'm not saying, once again, I always say this, it's not a bad game. It's not about that. It was just one of those games that I'm sitting thinking I had a good plan and it did not work well. So there was something I did wrong. And you know what? It just clicked for me. I guess when I hear area influence now, I realize, you know what? That's what's important. I'm going to try to make sure that I score in as many realms as possible. And that's what I did in the end. And I know we talked about, I think one of the concerns we had, if you win a realm is 20 points too much. Because it was extremely swingy in the end. Because mm-hmm. you're talking, uh, I think I ended up getting 20, 35. I got 50 points total of my 100 and something just from the area control because I won in every single round. First and one, second in the three others. Where you guys weren't able to place in every single one. Place as in either first or second in every single one. So I remember we had this discussion was 20 points too much. 20 and 10 should have been 10 and 5. You think that would have made a difference for you if it, the ultimate area control wasn't worth as much and instead you need to work on in-game scoring? I'm sure the testers had that debate and they were fine with the 20 and the 10. And there's one part of this we talked about. There's another way to get influence. It's called the keys. 
various keys mm. to the gates. And whoever has the most of those gets 20. But you're right. What happened to us in this game, and which is something when you play this, you really have to try to beat each other down. Once again, it's not a battle between us. You just have to make sure that one person does not run away with the various gates like you did. So, I mean, do you like games like uh, Inish and Ethnos? Because to me, this has kind of a area majority area control feel to it like that. I wasn't a fan of Inish. I, I liked Ethnos. Okay. wasn't a big fan of Inish. You know what? And to me, this is probably closer to Inish because, you know, that one, you had different types of workers that you could do things, you know, with over there too. Things I do like about the game. I like that the resource management is kind of like Blood Rage. We mentioned this with Cthulhu Wars Duel. You have an X amount of power during your turn. Once it's gone, that's it. No more for that round. Uh, I did manage to get a couple upgrades that gave me an additional power each turn. And that was huge because you guys didn't get those. So in the second and third or third and fourth round, I was spending two extra power per turn, which is basically putting out one extra worker, uh, which was a big deal. I do like unique worker placement. I think the, the game looks amazing. There is a lot of things going on in the game that you do have to keep track with. It's a simple game to play. You pay, you place. But the decisions of where to play in place make it a, probably a deeper game than what it looks like. That's not a negative. I'm just saying that's kind of what it is. A great strategy in there. You've got to really make some hard decisions on where to go first. Is this banner that I want to do an upgrade worth it? Or do I need to push the influence? How does that all play out? A lot of strategy in there. But you already mentioned this, and I, I'm going to wrap it up for the, for me, is that I felt the downtime kept me from getting as engaged and maybe uh, more and more plays will speed this up for us. But overall, I mean, enjoyed playing. I sucked at the game, but I would like to play it again. And one thing we didn't mention, too, is even on the realms, talk about the decisions you have to make. When you place a worker, there's multiple spots in the realm. And depending on which spot you place, you get to do something. Maybe it's take an upgrade car from that spot on the realm, or maybe put one of your caravans on the board. Caravan is something you have on your player board. You could place on a realm, which may give you something, uh, maybe some additional influence and stuff like that. So even where you place the worker on the realm is a decision that you have to make in itself. So this is Gates of Mar from WizKids Games, from J.B. Howe. Again, if you like Flotilla and you like the thinkiness and the, all the stuff that's going on in that game, this has the same and similar feel. It's definitely one of those two, like you, Tony, I want to get on the table again and just see if I can dominate like I did last time. <laughs> I won't let you. Now I know how this thing plays. That's not going to happen. So I just mentioned that I'm not a big fan of area control. That's correct. You aren't. So that means any area control game that we play from now on, you will not like. But that's not true. <laughs> because I said I like Ethnos. And maybe it's a certain style of or what's mixed with the area control. I have no problem with uh, uh, Small World. Did you like Tammany Hall? Yes, I did. So it's interesting. So it's not that you dislike area control. It's just there's certain area controls that you gravitate more than others, but you don't know the reason for it. And maybe it is the complexity behind it. Maybe my simple brain is such that I just like to be able to, like Ethnos was not, I mean, it's just colors on the, the map there, uh, Tammany Hall. You know, I didn't have a lot of powers that I had to deal with and maximize this. And, and along those lines, I just had to concentrate, okay, there's enough orange cubes or red cubes or whatever. Mm -hmm. So the next game we played, I really enjoyed. And that was a, it's a remake. This game is called The King is Dead. Uh, we got it from Osprey Games. This was designed by, is it Pierre Sylvester? 
I believe that's how you say his first name. And he came out with this in 2015. And we got the new version, which is simple, very easy to look at. But for some odd reason, Marty, I thought it was gorgeous. I don't know why. It just looked good to me on the table. It was very colorful. The The art on the cards is nice. It just has simple cubes and stuff. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. This is one of the best games I've played in a long time. And when you look at it, you go, okay, what what is there to this game? I mean, basically, each of you start out with a hand of cards. You start with the exact same hand of cards. There's a variant on that. We'll talk about that in a second. And the theme is the king is dead. The king is divided. There's three factions, the Scottish, Welsh, and the English, who are all vying for control. What I love about this, Tony, is you're not playing as one of those. All you're trying to do is that by the end, whoever gets control, you just want to make sure you're in the best standing with that faction. That's right. You're trying to align to whatever faction will be king. I mean, I think Board Game Geek, I mean, a subtle game of shifting power and control over Arthurian Britain. Authorian, I think an author, Authorian Britain. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's one of those things that was easy to wrap the head around, but talk about deep gameplay. Oh, oh my heavens. And card counting. You're like, you don't know that. I'm like, yeah, I do. I know which cards you've played. (laughs) There's eight cards, eight cards, eight rounds. But what's interesting, Tony, is you don't play a card per round. In theory, you could play your entire hand first round, and then you just watch the rest of the game. Absolutely. You can just sit there, I'm done. That's it. I walk away. Tell me if I won at the end. (laughs) Because when you play a card, that's it. You don't get to play uh, play it anymore. And a round ends basically when there's three consecutive passes. So I may play a card. Tony passes. Bert passes. I could pass and end the round or could play another card. Then Tony, you may get, well, that turned out differently than what I wanted. So now you'll play a card. Mm -hmm. So it's that sort of thing. It's not passing your out. It's just there must be three consecutive passes because you may jump back in depending on what somebody else's does. And basically the cards simply do this shifting cubes around on the board in some way. There's three factions represented by three different colors and the board is of Britain. And there's three home areas, each for the Scottish, the Welsh, and the English. Each of those factions start out with two of their cubes. And each of those, you're going to randomly draw cubes from the bag and put four in all the other spots, four random uh, cubes in the other spots, and then fill out those home areas with two more cubes apiece. So when you start the game, every area has four cubes in it. And then it's just basically shifting those cubes with card play. Some let you like swap two locations. Some let you move two from one area, one from another. You have a supply off to the side where you can maybe pull in one of each color and put them on the map wherever you want. There's uh, Scottish and Welsh and English invasions where you get to pick up two of the same color and then move it out to an area on the board. So it's just really just shifting cubes until the round ends. And what's important, and this is a rule that's very important, is if you play a card, you don't have to do the action, but every time you play a card, you must remove a cube from the board. That is the best thing ever because it's the amount of cubes that you have at the end of the game who determines who has the most influence. No, 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 no. You you just messed that completely up. Try that again. Whoever has the most cubes in front of them at the end of the game, if it matches the faction that has the most influence on the board, then you'll win the game. Then much better. Well done. Well said. So all of a sudden you're sitting there looking at this and saying, well, I have the most influence 
And if someone ties you, then you're like, oh man, now I maybe need to shift the balance of power. How do we score the influence? At the end of each round, you know, you determine in that county region of England, you determine who has the most influence. That card is scored, flipped over. You put that influence there in that token, in that area, remove those cubes from the area, go on to the next one. And you begin that whole process over. And it has some very unique game ending, a very unique game ending mechanism that can occur as well. So normally the game ends after all the regions have scored after all eight, but Marty, there's this country across the channel that is watching. (laughs) They're laying in wait, trying to figure out if there is just so much unrest that they can swoop in and take over. There's always that battle between France and England. Mm -hmm. This put the game over the edge for me. At the end of a round, if you look at a region and there's no cubes on it, or there's a tie for the most of a certain color in that region, all those cubes are removed, and instead, a France influence token is placed there. It's like, oh, look, y'all couldn't decide who's going to win that little region right there. Then we're going to come in and invade. And if there's ever three French tokens on the board, the game stops there. You don't play all the way to the end because France has completed their invasion. And then what you want to do at that point, you want to be the person with the most sets of each of the colors. So you want red, yellow, and blue. How many sets of those do you have? Whoever has the most sets then wins. So you may be thinking, hey, I'm just going to collect a bunch of blue and make sure the blue wins by the end of the game. Well, if France comes in and invades, there is no possible way that you'll win. So you need to have a good balance between them. And you talked about these uh, region scoring, Tony. So at the beginning of the game, you've got eight region cards that you deal out. So they're random every single game. So you can see which round, which region you're going to score influence on. One of the cards that you have in play is swap two regions. So you could be thinking, hey, we're going to be scoring this region at the end. And Tony, you may go, no, I don't feel like scoring that region. You play your card and swap it with another one. And then one of the ones you swap, you can lock into place to make sure that it can't be moved. Again, another nice little decision that must be made during the game. So for me, the base game, play at any time. But there is the opportunity for additional cards to come into your hand and take out some of the base cards. I haven't played that yet, Marty. I know you've played this game more than I have. Have you influenced the decks at all? We have not. I just keep playing the base game because it's kind of fun knowing what everybody has. Uh, Like you said, Tony, you could do some card counting. It's like, oh, I still know that you got the Scottish Invasion in play. Mm -hmm. Oh, I still know that you got the Assemble card, which is basically bring one of every color onto the board. And like I said, on your turn, it's literally just shifting cubes around. And the reason why I said it's so important about the thing about pulling a cube off, that's how you build up your pool of influence. After you play a card from anywhere on the board, you take a cube off the board and put it in front of you. But what has that just done? That has now weakened the influence of that faction. So it's like, I'm going to take a blue from here. Well, now you just weakened blue's strength in that area. I just love the brilliance of that. It's like, I'm going to have it so that I could do really well with the blue. Oh, but there's now less blue on the board to potentially win each region. Mm -hmm. Just brilliant. Just so brilliant. So you already heard us. Obviously, we really, really, really really like this game. It was fun. We played it multiple times. Marty's been playing it uh, at work with his uh, buddies at work. I mean, right now, if you go to Amazon, you can get the old version for close to $130. 
wait for the re-implementation. Well, it's already out at miniature market for around 25 bucks. Hey, I just saved y'all $100. <laughs> what was cool was when I was playing with my coworkers, one of them was actually going after the French invasion. He was trying to make sure that regions ended up in a tie, and he was collecting the sets of the cubes of red, blue, and yellow to try to make sure that if there, a French invasion occurs and the game triggers, that he wins. But the tiebreakers, this is what's so brilliant. Typically, tiebreakers, it's like, oh, at the very end of the game, blue has the most influence tokens on the board. Who has the most blue cubes? Oh, Tony, you and I are tied. What's the second tiebreaker? Oh, the second tiebreaker is who has the second most uh, influence tokens on the board? Oh, that's red. Tony, who has the most red? You or I? Oh, there's a tie? Then what happens then? And then then it's like, well, who was the first person to play their last card? Which means they've been sitting out the game the longest. They would win. And you typically think tiebreakers are like, well, if a tiebreaker happens, this is what you do. No, 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 no. You must plan for tiebreakers. Ties are extremely common in this game. And in fact, some of the games I played, I played for the tie knowing that I had the second or third tiebreaker. And if the French invasion happens and both of you had the same sets, number of sets, then it's the last person that plays the card that's going to win. You do have to kind of learn how these tiebreakers work and be cognizant of it because it will happen. And like I said, we played for it. We played for down to the third tiebreaker to see who was going to potentially win. So I think that's brilliant. It's not just a throwaway. Oh, let's see. Let's check the rules. Who wins? No, you got to be thinking about it from day one, day one, from round one. I love it. I love it. I'm, I'm with you. Unless something else comes out and blows us away, this will win the reprint of the year for the Squirrely Award. I, I just can't even think else that came even close to this for me. That you played. Yeah. Okay. So that is The King is Dead. Osprey Games, designed by Pierre Sylvester. Head over to portalgamesus.com for all those fun gaming needs that you need. That's right, the perfect gift for everyone is being shown right now as the Portal Games banner flies across my screen. My perfect gift for me is going to be that Robinson Crusoe treasure chest. Even if the game never comes out because it's so mean and hard to me, I would just love the pieces sitting out there. It would be in a showcase for me. But on Marty's side, you know he's going to be all about that Rise of the Empires or Detective. He's looking at that game. So if you want to pick up Marty a game from Portal to add to his collection, look no further than Rise of the Empires or Detective. Matter of fact, I'm going to make fun of my co-host right now. He's probably so old he could play detective again and forgotten how he did on the first round. Is that right? No, that's not making fun of me. That's just truth. And if you don't have Monolith Arena, now's the perfect time to pick it up because a new expansion, Golems, is out for that. Love Monolith Arena. Be sure to check it out over at PortalGamesUS.com. Well, we just talked about a, a reprint, and I said, <laughs> I may have put my foot in my mouth when I said, oh, what's a reprint? What's another good reprint that we play? I just totally forgot the next game that we just played, Rococo. 
The Deluxe Edition, which came out from Eagle Griffin Games, designers Matthias Kramer, Stefan Motz, and Louis Maltz. This is a reprint of a classic game from years ago where you are designers. You are trying to design and build different dresses and attire for the noble to wear to go to their parties. You're going to sell it to them. You're going to let them rent it. And the whole goal is, well, I mean, you know, the whole goal is actually to get victory points. But what's very interesting about this game is it has a classic Euro feel. When typically a lot of games now are trying to come out with a twist or something different to make it feel different. Tony, sometimes it just feels good to sit and play a game and, and realize, you know what? There's not a lot of craziness going on. I've played games similar to this. I kind of know how to play Let's play and then I'll enjoy it along the way because I kind of know how it's going to flow and it just makes the experience very enjoyable. Agree. Sit back, collect some resources, make some dresses, gather up some victory points. Look at how you're going to do some in-game scoring, which is right there in front of you. Very classic Euro. I mean, we just talked about uh, the King is Dead, where it's play a card. Here you have a you have a deck of cards. You get to draw three cards, and they have abilities that allow them to do things on the board depending on restrictions. And Marty said this game is like Concordia. I've never played mm-hmm. Concordia. I'd, I've not had the pleasure of playing this game. But for this game, I was like, oh, okay, I understand what's going on here. I had not seen that mechanic and I can't think of another game like it that I've played recently. I was like, Hey, I'm enjoying this. So I said it was like Concordia in that everybody starts out with the base set of cards on your turn. You're going to play a card. This is the same thing here. And you had different types of cards. Like you said, you got a masterman, a journeyman and apprentice. Now I remember back in Gates of Mar where I said, I kind of like it where certain workers can only go to certain locations. It's kind of the same thing here because any action on the board, the master can take. But there's only a couple places on the board that the apprentice can take. And that's very important because as you take those three cards, you get to decide what three cards that you're going to take each turn. And you got to make sure it's like, well, if I want to take these actions, they must be of a certain level in order to be able to play them. And I said it's like Concordia because one of the things you can do with your master card is if you play a master card, you can go out and hire a new worker, which is essentially putting additional card in your hand. In Concordia, you also have a selection of cards that you can go up and get to add to your deck. And at the end, after you've played all your cards, you'll take your deck and it'll make it all available to you again. You have to plan in that, wow, I've, I've got six cards left. These three will have to be used next round, so I need to decide what three I'm going to use this round, knowing that next round, that's the only three that I'm going to have left, which I think Tony possibly hurt you at the end of this game. Well, not keeping track of my cards, not knowing, because I think what you just said is, after I play those three cards, they're discarded. Now I draw Mm -hmm. the next set of three. And if I don't have enough to draw three, then I have to, of course, shuffle and draw off the top of the end. But this whole idea of using a master to go hire a new worker, I'm sacrificing the capabilities of that master because that master gives me the ability to either build a better dress or be able to claim a spot at the ball where only a master can go or show off his works. Very hard choices when you have those limited. And whenever you buy a master, that yeah, you can go all over the board with them, but they may not have the special abilities at the bottom that you really want. That may be on the apprentice card or the journeyman card, certain things. A lot of stuff was going on with this game, 
but I never felt like I was lost in it. I always thought that I was going to be like, okay, I understand what this is going to do. I can strategize. I can have that effect. I know I'm going to need to go over here and get an additional new guy so that I can take an additional turn or find a function. One thing I didn't know about the certain cards is what gave me the ability to either draw more cards or play additional cards. You'll learn that whole factor. So I think mm -hmm. that's one of the cool things about this game. But I never felt like I had AP or downtime. The actions are really straightforward. We talked about kind of as a basic Euro. So you got the claim the queen's favor, which is basically uh, you're going to get to go first next turn, which we found out was very important. And that's one of those that uh, to get the favor, you uh, play a master of journeyman, acquire resources. You talked about getting fabric, you take yarn. So you're going to have these uh, on the board and uh, that come out each round, some new ones come out. So you can go out there, place any one of your workers and pay whatever is needed. I also like this too. When you first went to a section and there was a, a section of like three resources, it cost the most. As soon as one was gone, the next one got cheaper. So you didn't have the option of all that's there, but to make them a little bit cheaper, if somebody goes in and buys before you. You can actually tailor the garment. That's the master or the journeyman that can actually put those together. And here's where I have to make a decision, Tony. Are you going to rent that garment which is you're going to place that tile on an empty space in a hall. And though it's a beautiful board by Ian O'Toole, just absolutely gorgeous. And there's these halls around the board where these people are going to be going and are going to be displaying your dress. Well, they may want to rent it and go and uh, wear it. And so you can go and put that dress you just made into the hall, which incorporates at the end of the game area control so this all has also has an area control element or you can just sell it so hey i've made this dress i really need a lot of money to buy some more stuff later on down the road so i'm just gonna sell it and make money hire a new worker which i talked about you can call your deck tony you can depute your employee had to, we had to look up what depute means i'd actually never seen that word uh where you can uh, discard a card from play get some money from the bottom of it. And the last action is you can fund a decoration. Each of these halls, Tony, they have nice decorations. Maybe a statue or something like that that you want to fund to put a nice statue there. Again, this helps towards not only getting victory points because they're worth that, but can help in tiebreakers for area control. Enjoyed the game. Really did. Like I said, all those actions are really straightforward. Like you said at the very beginning, Tony, uh, I'm going to get some new workers. I'm going to get some resources. I'm going to put them out there. And it incorporates some different elements. I can get points from making things like the decorations. I get points from area control, which resolved at the end of the game. There's this all other cool mechanic too, where at the very end, some of the nobles can go to the top of the building and admire the fireworks. Well, you got to make sure to claim some of those locations so that your workers can move up to that area and enjoy those fireworks, which also gives some additional scoring. So at the end of the game, there's 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 points on cards, there's hall majority points, there's fireworks majority points, there's a statue points, wash, rinse, repeat, like a lot of other Euro games, but it flows so well, so easy to learn. It was just nice to play what I felt like was a classic Euro. And I never felt like I had to study a rule book. It was, the iconography was there. You, I mean, you got a little area control here. Hey, another game where area control is a factor and didn't bother me. Look at that. Oh, that's a good point. So now there's three games that we just talked about. It has a lot, little bit of area control. 
I'm so glad I finally got to play this remake. I've yeah. heard so many good things about Oh, oh, that reminds me. So I was making a joke because I kept saying in the chat, it's Rococo. And y'all are like, what are you re- referencing to? And I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, it's going to be a pop culture reference that you're not going to get. And I said, there's this thing we used to watch. It was Foster's Home for Imaginary, imaginary friend. Friends. And there was a character in there called Coco. And it was, she would just go, Coco, Coco, Coco. And both of y'all watched it and i was stunned tony that you watched that cartoon oh rebecca and i watched it all the time love that cartoon cheese if y'all haven't seen foster's home for imaginary friends it's one of the most brilliant funny heartwarming cartoons i've ever seen don't let the theme distract you because the characters are hilarious Mm -hmm. it's i love it See, and I, that one I had forgotten about. I just, if he had said blue and cheese, I would, I would have been all over that. So, um, oh, and I know you mentioned the R word. Cereal. Okay. Coco. Enough. Cereal. I'm sorry. Enough. So <laughs> the, the components, you talked about the artwork, components of this deluxe. If you, if you don't have a classic game like this, is it worth the money to go buy the deluxe? You know, that's, that's something you have to battle, right? Well, we didn't even talk about the expansions. All the expansions are in here. Mm-hmm. So there's all these different expansions we hadn't even touched, which totally changed the game. So, yeah, if you don't have the base game, just know that with this one, you're getting the base plus all the expansions included. It's a huge, big box. When we finish playing this, I always think back, Marty, these classic Euros, is it worth adding to my collection? Mm, okay. Because it is classic and you feel like, well, I have another game that's kind of like that, right? Exactly. Or there's other games coming out that have built on this classic and maybe tweaked it to make it better. Mm-hmm. I, and I think then it comes down to just the theme. I will always pull out Ticket to Ride. You yeah. know? And I, I think back, is this a game that I would pull out to try to teach it? Is it engrossing enough on the plane of the cards? I think it's simple enough to where I would be able to use this as a stepping stone to another game like that that may embellish on it. Right. So yeah, you, you gotta you gotta take that in. Is it worth going out and rebuying it? That's up to you. Maybe sell your old version so you can get the upgraded uh, components because it is it is an amazing piece of artwork. That's a very good point, Tony. If you if you like classic euros, I think you'll like it. Does it replace any of the classic euros? That's your call. Again, I like the theme. I think the theme kind of fit. You know, a lot of times euros are very dry with their theme. It's like this kind of made sense. I'm collecting this stuff. I'm making some dresses. I've got. I'm trying to build out my little guild here. I think the thing that kind of had to wrap my around, mind around is that area control thing. You're thinking, I'm just going to make a bunch of dresses and get some money and make points. Like, well, you also got to decide who you're going to rent them to and what halls so you can get those uh, in in game scoring. But Again, for something that looks like a beast on the table, very easy to learn and very easy to pick up and play. So that is, see, you're making me say this game. I'm going to mess this in. Not because I've got this thing running through my head. Rococo. I think that's enough from Eagle Griffin Games. Cereal. To close out this eighth anniversary edition, we're going to talk about a game called Whistle Mountain. Designed by Scott Caputo and Luke Laurie from Bezier Games. And when we first got this and Marty was telling me about it, I was thinking, oh my heavens, I get to play 
whistle stop again. Mm -hmm. And Marty's like, no, I played this at Origins. It's not the same thing. It's not your little train game, McCree. It's not going to be that. Well, I played at the online Gen Con. Online Gen Con, sorry. With the two designers, yes. And you were like, "That's, that's nothing to do with it. You are simply going to be constructing machines and collecting resources by using your airships. I'm like, where's the train? <laughs> that threw me off too. I thought Whistle Mountain. Oh, surely there's a train. We're going to be building something like a train track over a mountain. And it's like, no, you're not. Instead, what you got is three airships that you're going to place around the board to get scaffolding and upgrades that when you bring those ships back from the board to your player board, by, very nice player boards, by the way, uh, one of the actions is you bring your ships back. At that point, you can build. You can build some scaffolds to put on this grid on the board. And they're the polynomials, pol- polynominoes uh, type things that you can uh, put out on the board. Uh, you can build these machines that you've purchased and put them on top of scaffolds if you have room for them. And uh, you can save your workers <laughs> from the uh, the pool uh, if they fell into the water. Yes, that is a thing because uh, they can fall into the water below. And because uh, that's worth minus five points in the game, you don't want to do that. You can promote your workers. There's certain levels that you're trying to build up. You can promote them over to the side where you just built something so they can earn some extra points. And the higher the scaffold goes, the higher that you can promote them, which is worth mo- more points at the end. So really on your turn, You take a ship, you place it somewhere, you're either getting resources, you're purchasing an upgrade, you're purchasing a machine. And there's three different types of machines. They're small, medium, and large. Or you're recalling them all back and you're actually building that stuff you just collected. Oh, also, you can also place your ships actually beside the scaffolding that you've built because some of those have resources on them. Or you can place a ship in a machine, which gives you ability, which is typically going to give you either some victory points or some resources. You do have these cards at the top that you, when you place uh, your ship there, you can draw a card, which is useful to play at any time during the course of the game, which I found out was very important, Tony, as uh, I, I use those a lot. So collect, build, get victory points. Before the water rises too far and all your and all your workers fall in, you, you are building a bridge for a train somewhere. It's on the box. It's right there. It's got a whistle, so you know it's coming. So you're having to do that. That's about as far as that theme goes. All right, <laughs> OSHA is going to have a fit with you. Workers falling into the drink. I don't know if that's. Fit. I mean, where is their harnesses? Why are they not secured <laughs> to the scaffolding? What kind of scaffolding are you building? Oh. oh, so aside from all that fun, it is about trying to maximize victory points based on resources and changing your technology as you're building it. Because you can, you can get six technology upgrades, and everybody starts with a special power also. That lets them to do something. So you've got to factor all that in, and it's kind of like. I don't want to say it's an engine builder where you're trying, it's how to maximize the use of resource. In my opinion, it's how to maximize the resources that allow me to quickly build machines. And I learned from my game that because the scaffolding is, gives you victory points when you place them next to other scaffolding, I thought our game, we played not as well as we should because we were playing Tetris. We kept trying to build our scaffolding so everything connected to maximize our victory points where on hindsight, I was thinking, 
I should have been building up scaffolding to get us above the waterline to push the end game. Yeah, there is a point on the board, uh, it's like the uh, the bridge, where uh, once you get the scaffolding above that point, and when you build a machine above it, uh, you have these nice cardboard pieces that indicate the water level. And once you build a machine, you take one of those cardboard pieces and move it up, which will cover the bottom row. Every time you build another machine above that level, another one will come up. So the water is rising, cover up any existing machines. And once they do, you can't go there anymore. Covers covers up scaffolding, can't go there anymore. If there happens to be a worker there on some of that scaffolding, they fall into the water and then you have to rescue, rescue them later. But like you said, Tony, we were kind of filling in below the bridge to make sure there's no gaps So the game went on for a while before the water even started rising, such that by the end, for me, you talked about an engine builder. I kind of had five or six upgrades in place that made, you know, some resources worth more to me than others. I did have a little bit of an engine going, and I wasn't really adding any more to it. So towards the end of the game, I was kind of doing the same thing over and over at that point, just trying to get those most points possible because the, the game doesn't end until... Every worker is removed from the barracks that's below the bridge. And once that once that point is done, then that's going to trigger the end of the game. But we were so slow in building up the scaffolding and everything that they stayed in the barracks probably longer than what they should have. Yes, they should have. And that's something that you can do to somebody trying to force that negative five points. How do I do that? How do I make that happen? It's a race. It becomes a racing game at that point. And we didn't treat it like that. We did not. And we should have. We should have. We should have forced that. So I think that's something that people need to watch for. They need to look for how to maximize those machines to use other people's machines. That's another thing I kept messing up on. I was like, oh my heavens, I'm not using your machines as well. I got myself locked in one time where I didn't have scaffolding when I needed it. So a lot of thinking going on, not a lot of AP. It just, it just took a while. We all felt like that after the game was over, we thought it sat on the table a tad too long. Because I I almost wish there would have been a second way for the game to end in case that happened to us. Or maybe the water level should have been, or the level should have been lower before the water started rising. I just wish there was some way that would have moved the game quicker in the situation of what we were doing. I don't know what that would be. But now that I know how it does work, I would definitely, instead of trying to fill in everything so nice and neat on the bottom of the grid, I would start going vertically quicker and try to get machines out to make that water rise up really fast. And probably everybody would start doing that at that point. Plus also, the higher you go up in the scaffolding, when you promote your workers, it's worth more victory points to you also in the end. So that is Whistle Mountain from Bezier Games, designed by Scott Caputo and Luke Laurie. Another one of those games where we got to play it again to get the full appreciation of it and to drive each other crazy. Luke and Scott continue coming out with these whistle style games. We really enjoyed them. We loved Whistle Stop, Whistle Mountains right there with it. So hopefully it becomes a tradition. Tony, you still playing your Switch? Playing it right now, trying to get through this stupid Skyrim. (laughs) Have you checked out the new app Evolution, which is based on the board game that came out on the Switch? I have. I have it on the iPad. I have it on the Switch. I think I even have it on Steam. I've lost track of where I have evolution. I have made, I've, I've, I've evolved to the point where I think it's everywhere. Well, it just recently came out on the Switch, and I love it when you know these apps come out on the Switch. And I got it. I'm in training, playing it. It's been a good port, but I also have it on Steam. And now it's officially released, and we are working with them to, uh, if you do not have 
Evolution on Steam, you can get 20% off right now. We will have a link in the show notes. I'm waiting for an acknowledgement from Tony that we'll have a link in the show notes. I'm sorry, I was yawning. Yes, we will have (laughs) a link in the show notes along with all the other 40 links you want me to put. Yeah. (laughs) And you could go and get a copy of Evolution for Steam and use the code R-D-T-N-E-V-O, all capital letters, R-D-T-N-E-V-O for like Evolution. Get 20% off your purchase, Tony. That'll be available through the end of January. It only works on the Steam version. And unfortunately, if you want it on the Switch, go out there and get it. Still get it for the Switch. I think it's a a fantastic port, but we can get you 20% off if you're interested. And I'm going to be doing a review of this on our YouTube channel. I just released a review of Sagrada on the Switch, which I thought was a great port. Uh, Will Evolution be a great port? Well, Check out my, my video that'll be coming out soon for, uh, for the Switch. I know it works really well on Steam. I haven't played on the iPad, so is it a good version on the iPad, Tony? I don't remember. <laughs> Thanks for your help. Uh, no, I'm sitting here thinking, because you, when you said Sagrada, you threw me off, because I was thinking about how they've recently did some updates to Sagrada to fix some issues, and I've been playing the mess out of that. Oh, so yes. Uh, so I need to look back on my ev- evolution and, and get that one out there as well. There was some things that, with evolution that I was thinking, oh man, I, if only I could do this with um, iPad and I forget what it is now. I need, to, I need to crank all this up. I'm too busy getting my butt handed to me in Shards of Infinity by you. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll get back to that. All right. So never mind Tony's opinion on the iPad, but it is available out there and I'll be doing a review soon. Remember you can get 20% off on steam. Just use the link below and code R D T N E V O. So Tony, eight years, eight years. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. I can't. We we joke about it. We can, but I cannot believe eight years that you said, Hey, let's do this. And I'm still doing it. Amazing. <laughs> I can't believe you're still doing it either, that you're putting up with me after all this time. Oh, my God. I, I'll, I'll never forget. We tell this st- story every year. Tony did it just assuming that I would just get tired of it after a couple of months and be done with it. So he just appeased me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, whatever, just to get you off my back. And then all of a sudden, eight years later, holy crap, we're still doing this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a, you know, this this is a commitment. What am I thinking? Oh, but I've had fun and want to thank everybody who has supported RDTN over these eight years. Not getting choked up. I need to get, I've finished my Mountain Dew. Um, But (laughs) from that standpoint, thank you all for uh, supporting us, giving us encouragement, keeping us going. You, and we do a lot of uh, kidding around and, and downplay, you know, oh, you encourage us keeping us going. You probably thought, wish you hadn't now, but. We really do appreciate it. Anything, please fill out the survey. Let us know how to continue to improve. We always try to improve the show year after year after year after year. Also, if anything, puts you in for the um, drawing of the gifts. And more importantly, Marty, is there anything else that you want to say? It's been a crazy year with 2020. Uh, thank you for joining us for the ride. We've hoped that every couple of weeks we've given you an hour and a half or so of a little bit of escapism to get away from that stuff. That's kind of our goal here. We just want to share our love with this hobby, uh, like all of y'all that are listening. And in the meantime, do silly stuff, talk about food and broken heaters and concussions, etc. <laughs> along the way. So thanks for putting up with this. Again, we just want to 
provide a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of escapism, and hopefully uh, we're doing that for y'all. And Tony's only committing to two more years. We'll see where it goes after that. <laughs> I was going to say, and we'll do it for eight more years, but I don't know the way Tony's talking anymore, but uh, I've enjoyed it so far this yeah, year. I'm not going to commit to anything and pass that because that's kind of like what we're doing with the retirement plan. So everybody, as you were going into 2021, as we take our break, please be safe out there. Please take care of one another. Make sure that you are adhering to any restrictions. I'm going, I, Hey, it's what I do at Duke energy is to make sure that we are safe. We really wish you the best. Take care of yourselves out there. And then the, there is the light at the end of the tunnel for all of us. Just take your time getting there. But most importantly, in 2021, keep rolling dice. And taking names. Thank you once again for listening. And remember to go join the, the Guild and the Discord channel and, and Pod Pledge and fill out our survey for a chance to enter our big prizes that we're doing. Thank you so much again for sticking with us for all these eight years. We can't wait to go into the ninth year. It's going to be our 20th year of getting into gaming, and we can't wait to share that with you. We'll see you in January. Happy 2021. Stop it. Stop it. Enough. Stop it. Cereal. No, don't, don't even start with cereal. Go-go. Oh. Cereal. Oh. Go-go. Oh. Oh. I'm so glad we got this out, Don. Cereal. Oh. Stop it. Go-go. Every year, people say, I'm going to play 10 games of 10, 10 times. times. That's right. 10 by 10 or whatever. Well, the broken token is going to make it easy for you. If you head over to thebrokentoken.com, you can get a challenge board and track those games over the year. Marty, I am going to do that. I am going to pick me up one of those challenge boards. It's got a little white marker where you can write the game and it's got little meeples to track how far you've gone. Really cool, really nice thing to hang up in your board game room if you have one, or better yet, in your board game closet, such as myself. That was just a great idea by the Broken Token. I'm not really sure what the Meeple Crown's about, but uh, that's okay. That's wait there. A minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're going to play 10 games 10 times? Oh my gosh. That's ambitious. I'm not saying I'm going to. I'm going to put it up just so I can see how I failed miserably in 2021. <laughs> All right. Okay. So be sure to go check it out over at thebrokentoken.com.